Annyeong! Welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I am your host, Darren. Here today, I have two returning guests, uh, both returning from Season 1 episodes. Um, I'll do them in reverse order of the last time they appeared. So, first, we have Emily. Hello, Emily. Annyeong. And we have uh, Noah. Hello, Noah. Annyeong. Noah, I think you, at the moment, hold the record for the longest gap between appearances, because you were quite early in Season 1. No, yeah, it was Episode 5, wasn't I? Yeah, so that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a distance between episodes. Mm-hmm. And today's episode that we're covering is Season 2, Episode 15, Sword of Destiny. It was broadcast on the 27th of March, 2005. This is the last episode to be written by Brad Copeland of Arrested Development. Um, I'm sure that we've discussed Brad Copeland a number of times uh, for each of the episodes that he's written up to this point. Um, I think the interesting thing about Brad Copeland, if I remember correctly, is after this, he went on to write the film Wild Hogs and Yogi Bear 3D. (laughs) Oh my god! That is amazing! (laughs) This is his sixth and final episode as a writer uh, on Arrested Development. Um, Yeah, so I think Wild Hogs was, what, 2007? So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming that he wrote Wild Hogs almost directly after doing this episode and then spent kind of like a year getting it made. And then, uh, yeah, then Wild Hogs was uh, out in the world. We owe him a lot. Um, And (laughs) the episode... (laughs) And the episode was directed by Peter Lauer. Um, this is only the second episode that he's directed. It's the final episode he'll direct in season two. He will return in season three uh, for one of my favourite episodes, simply for all the music that gets used, which is Making a Stand, uh, which will see the final appearance of Jay Walter Weatherman. Um, and the episode was broadcast on the 27th of March, 2005. Um, I mean, we're only three episodes from the end of, of season two here. Uh, something that is alluded to in the actual, in basically the opening of the episode where um, Michael lets everyone know that they were going to design and build 22 homes and now they're only doing 18, which of course is a direct <laughs> reference to the fact that the season had four episodes cut back. When Michael says, we we, we already have the blueprints, and the narrator goes, well, that wasn't true, but they would have. <laughs> A suggestion the writers hadn't really come up with a storyline for those final four episodes. I know, I just can't believe that I didn't understand that until just this second, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I found that on almost every single episode of this podcast, I tell someone something that they did not know about Arrested (laughs) Development. And I feel like I've already revealed two things to you so far, which is that Brad Copeland... (laughs) <laughs> wrote uh, Wild Hogs, and now that this that that was a direct episode, that's a direct reference yeah, to what's going on in the show. Day full of surprises. Um, so, well, anyway, you've both already described how you came to the show, so let's jump straight into the episode here. And of course, we do open with Michael in his office talking about the fact that the uh, the order was being cut back. I love how Lindsay just comes straight in, and Michael is on a phone call, and she just puts her finger onto the little <laughs> thing to hang up, and. <laughs> I just, I just love it. Um, uh, and now something like, uh, obviously, um, the narrator kind of hints that that maybe the writers hadn't actually done anything for the final four episodes. But apparently, Mitch Hurwitz has spoken about how the storyline for Mrs. Featherbottom and Tobias being Michael's assistant, rather than being compressed over like three episodes, would have actually been something that in those extra four episodes would have been given a little bit more room to breathe. Hmm. So it's interesting here of how quickly. Um, and how bothersome Mrs. Featherbottom has become. 
and and the fact that he he that Tobias just basically wants to be caught, <laughs> that he wants to put yeah. an end to the the kind of Mrs. Doubtfire storyline. And this is only the second episode, kind of Mrs. Featherbottom, and basically she will only really be in one more episode. But like, I love how quickly Tobias kind of got bored with mm-hmm. with the whole thing. And of of course, this gives us an opportunity as Tobias enters uh, with his resume, <laughs> uh, which is a, a a nice touch that we get a call back to uh, uh, Go Bias. Booyah! We see that David Cro <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, one of the many running jokes in this in this episode is is people saying something and punctuating it with a booyah, um, and and I like I like that we get David Cross's extra fake mustache. Um, obviously, throughout the throughout the whole show, as Tobias, David Cross wore a fake mustache anyway. He never he never grew a mustache, which is interesting. Cause yeah. In recent years, he's had like a huge beard, so. I don't think it would have been that hard for him to grow a mustache, but he just didn't want to do it. So from the pilot on, they gave him this this fake mustache. And as Mrs. Featherbottom, he's clean shaven. And then he wears like really big, thick, bushy it's, fake mustaches. It's kind of red too. And it's it's such a weird meta joke of, of kind of commenting. It has to be like a... Yeah, and I... Yeah, it's like a TV fake mustache. <laughs> yeah, and I love the choice of the mustache, because each, each time he has this fake mustache to be Tobias again, he has a slightly different fake mustache, and this is like a really thick, bushy one that kind of covers his top lip really thickly, and it's it's such an unusual... Like, it's such a weird thing for them to draw attention to, the fact that he has this fake mustache, but also that the character of Tobias anyway has a fake mustache, um, which I kind of love. Uh, and then, uh, uh, I mean, Lindsay ha- likes Mrs. Featherbottom because, of course, she hand washes her delegates. Um, and there are a number of other times um, when Mrs. Featherbottom kind of has has been talked about where, you know, the house has never been cleaner and, um, and Mrs. Featherbottom's a really good cook. And like, basically, uh, Tobias, for some reason, doesn't kind of doesn't want to mm-hmm. do these things. But as Mrs. Featherbottom, he's more than happy to get into character. Which is something that I really like about the Mrs. Featherbottom character, that like how firmly he commits to being this uh, this British housekeeper. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, Michael sarcastically says, "Yeah, the real Tobias wouldn't do that," uh, which seems to suggest that Tobias wouldn't mind washing Lindsay's delicates for some reason. Uh, and I, I love uh, <laughs> I love that Tobias in talking about um, Joe Bias Industries, he he says, uh, "Go Bias." And then Michael, of course, is then like, oh, yes, I remember. And he's like, as in, go by us. And I love how Michael just kind of cuts him off. Um, and yeah. uh, about, about go by yeah. us. Okay, this is kind of random. But so I have spent a lot of time playing the different Sims games. And so you can go in and like buy your dishwasher or whatever in your Sims house. And it'll give a little brief description of the product as if it's in a catalog or something you're buying. And a lot of the stuff in The Sims is from Go Bias Industries. <laughs> oh. So clearly someone on The Sims staff was a huge fan of um, the the rest of development. And in particular, like one very small yeah. joke that appears in literally one episode <laughs> of season one. Yeah. Well, and at some point you can, like, make your Sim a never nude and, like, you can see <laughs> Tobias walking around the neighborhood sometimes. Some, uh, some... 
I don't play The Sims anymore. I'm an adult yeah, now. Someone is obviously a big fan of uh, of of the show then. Um, and yeah. we get here in the in this in, the, in these two very brief lines the final appearance of Starla. Um, she was brought in, of course, as the business model. Um, and here, she, with each episode, she's grown slightly more eccentric as she's become like a uh, like a, a mama's daughter. Uh, I guess would be the correct turn of phrase. And she's had this affair with Quincy Jones. And we get a little demonstration here where, you know, she's she asks if the, you know, he, he's getting a new assistant because the order's been cut back. To which Michael says, of course... But if you are concerned about keeping your job, you might want to focus on keeping unwanted visitors out of my office. Which, uh, I love that her reply is, I have rabies, Michael. You know that. Today was day four of my shots. <laughs> and of course, the narrator tells us that Starla had been bitten by a well-known music producer's guard dog. And we see a little demonstration <laughs> of how, um, you know, it, it, it kind of turns into a, um, you know, it turns into rabies... And it's, it's such a weird little kind of like picture, uh, kind of just showing that that kind of <laughs> pops up. I just I just love it. I love how they use mm-hmm. Starla as well as the uh, as the picture example. Mm. And then we get one of my favorite kind of things that Tobias does here, where he embraces the role of being um, assistant so quickly when Ted walks in, and um, <laughs> Ted Ted says uh, Tobias asks, "Did Ted make an appointment?" <laughs> And Ted's like, uh, no, I, I just, I just worked down the hall. And then Tobias screams. Well, then Ted can get the hell out of this office. You get the hell out! Kicks the chair and it like bounces next to him. <laughs> yeah. And he runs out of the office. Um, and then... I like how um, legitimately frightened Ted is <laughs> from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just love as well how, how quickly Tobias kind of switches into being this like very kind of I don't know like almost like a bouncer like he gets very aggressive so quickly <laughs> in the role of the assistant and then the ADR line says and that's how you keep out unwanted visitors <laughs> which is such a, a weird thing to say um, and of course once again Tobias um, decides to switch genders as he says that he <laughs> takes off his assistant skirt put on my Barbara Streisand in the Prince of Tides ass masking therapist pantsuit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, that was a good line. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, of course, Prince of Tides, which is the you know reference that he he makes there. Um, that film was huge. Um, like it was like so kind of. I, I mean, I, I don't know how to impress upon people who weren't alive in 1991 how big the Prince of Tides <laughs> was as a film, but it was everywhere. Um, and you know, it made it made quite a lot of money. It got nominated for. Um, seven Academy Awards, which is kind oh, of Jesus Christ, insane. Yeah, I know, including oh including Best Picture, um, and of course it was it was directed by Barbara Streisand. That is the uh, that's the interesting thing. You know, she she put herself into uh, into this book um, adaptation, uh, and yeah, it, like you know, it was it was like such a such a big film. Um, Nick Nolte. Um, he was he was sexiest man of the year off the back yeah. off the back of Prince of Tides, uh, you know, nominated for an Academy Award. Um, uh, 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 although oddly enough, um, Barbara Streisand wasn't nominated for either 
Um, best director <laughs> or best actress, but Nick Nolte Aww. was. Um, so that's quite interesting. But yeah, Nick Nolte, he won the Golden Globe um, and he won a couple of other awards for that. Um, it's It was really odd because it's kind of like a, a weird little career renaissance for Nick Nolte, but it didn't really help Barbara Streisand that much. <laughs> Um, mm. She kind of, she kind of just continued along as she always had. Oh, Barbara doesn't need help. No, She's I just, fine. I just love how, I love how that's that's the therapist that Tobias goes to. <laughs> like, if he's thinking about a famous therapist on film, he goes to Barbara Streisand. Well, and he was a therapist. Yes, this is the thing. Like, why doesn't he just talk about himself? Like, he he's a qualified therapist, um, and of, of course, Tobias. Uh, Tobias then says to Michael, "If you if you're not gonna, you know, he tells him he he can't be in control of everything, and uh, it's gonna make him sick. Which of course, at this point, Michael <laughs> then for some reason starts getting pains, uh, mm-hmm. just as Tobias says this, almost as if it's <laughs> psychosomatic. Yeah. But also because there's so much ADR in this one particular scene, I don't know if there was a different reason for." Michael being sick that was in the script that they kind of just changed. Uh, It's very odd. And of course, uh, this is where Lindsay says that um, she sent Job to uh, an Eastern medicine store, Ancient Chinese Secret, to which, of course, both Tobias and Michael say, Ancient Chinese Secret, huh? (laughs) Uh, Is a reference to something I have never seen, which is some kind of, like, washing commercial, washing up commercial? Like, yeah, no, I have the same kind of understanding of it as, like, something that people talk about, but I, I haven't actually seen the original yeah. reference point. Yeah, I, you know? I only know it as a joke from Wayne's World. That's, <laughs> that's how I'm aware of <laughs> yeah. the whole ancient Chinese secret thing, which, of course, is done with uh, Tia Carrero, so I don't think she's Chinese, so I don't <laughs> think that really qualifies, but... She is in the movie. Anyway... Well, yeah, and of course, in um, we then get a, a quick cut to Job, who is in the store Ancient Chinese <laughs> Secret, uh, and it reveals he's not there for a migraine. And uh, Job says, yeah, "I need a tea to give my dingle less tingle." <laughs> and then he says, "Me quick, one slow," which I don't understand why he's. Um, well, and then of course uh, the man. The man behind the counter yells out "Tea for Dong," which um, is such a such a. It great must line. be a frequent um, request. Yeah. He's like, "Dong tea." <laughs> We've got another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, um, you know, this is where we get the Sword of Destiny, which is of course the title of the episode, and um, you know, Job um, he tries to do his trick. Uh, his fireball trick once again, <laughs> and uh, that is a trick which has worked precisely twice. Once when he didn't expect it to, and once when he was siphoning gas from a car, which of course ended about as well as you'd expect. Um, and his cover, which he 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 did for the first time when Sally Sitwell got covered in lighter fluid, is he says, "Still, where the lighter fluid come from?" Uh, as if, as if that itself. The foley work on the um. Like the lighter fluid coming out of the that squirt. tube is is great. Yeah. The sound is incredible. It's yeah. like this impotent spurt sort of thing. Yeah, I guess I think the thing is the fact that he shoots the lighter fluid out early as well is uh, possibly a, a very ke- a clever reference to why he's there for the dong tea. And, and of course, as as the sword of destiny is explained to Job, uh, I love how he goes. Yeah, I make up my own pattern. Just ring it up with the dong tea. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> and then this might be my favourite interaction between the Bluth boys, like, ever in the entire show. Um, because Michael is so kind of, like, sarcastic. <laughs> and Job is, like, so terrible at comebacks that the whole thing just kind of deteriorates so quickly for him. Um, where Job is, he's got the Sword of Destiny now in its in its um, in its sheath uh, on his waist, and he's riding along on his Segway, <laughs> and this is where he happens upon Michael, uh, and he says, um, <laughs> he says, "I've been looking for you," and of course, Michael says, "Looks like you're looking for dragons." In the future. Um, which I, I kind of love the idea that the Segway is somehow futuristic. Like, it's just, I, I mean, I don't know. It just it just amuses me so much. And then, of course, as Job, Job already seems to have the sword kind of ready. And then he, he resheathes it. And as he says, he, you know, I wouldn't mock the sword of destiny, Michael. Um, <laughs> Michael asks... Are you bleeding? And of course, Job's like, uh, yeah, that's blood. It'll get better before the show. <laughs> just kind of... I don't know how he... I don't know how he thinks that's possible. Um, you know, uh, and he explains that, of course, he's, he, you know, he, he wants Michael to be um, a stand-in magician for him um, so that he can get back into the Gothic castle, um, which, of course, you know, uh, that was the subject of... The last time he, he kind of needed to come back, uh, which Michael actually helped him with. You know, he helped him with the whole um, sawing a woman in half trick, uh, which, of course, had George uh, Michael as the legs at that particular time. Um, but for some reason here, he doesn't want to help him. Um, but I like how he, he says, Then we get on the stage and you ran the sort of destiny into my belly. What do you think? And I like how Michael goes, it really picked up steam at the end there. <laughs> and then he talks about how he's, he's got to torch George, George Michael to drive. And I love Job's line. If I make this comeback, I'll buy you a hundred George Michaels that you can teach to drive. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was great. And of course, I like when Michael goes, you're losing blood, aren't you? And he goes, probably, my socks are wet. <laughs> and then of course, when Michael goes, sorry, <laughs> Job goes, you'll be sorry. That doesn't work after his life. And I, I kind of just love how Job's, you know, rapid blood loss makes him completely incoherent, like, so quickly. And then, of course, um, you know, I don't know why Michael is obsessed with teaching George Michael how to drive the stair car. Um, in previous episodes, George Michael has been very embarrassed about the stair car. Uh, you know, Michael bought, bought the Corvette um, as a way of kind of trying to uh, alleviate that that embarrassment so i'm not sure why george michael would want to be seen in it uh but apparently he does we find out that george michael wants to get behind the wheel and michael doesn't teach him by putting him behind the wheel he uh he he lets him observe him while he drives and then he quizzes him um uh, and then of course maybe suggests that he skipped that kind of those lessons um and and of course uh, we get a quick flashback where um, <laughs> where where George Michael is is on the bus and he sees that maybe he sees maybe in in a car like the the car that's been provided by the studio that she works for, um, but he doesn't seem to acknowledge that it's maybe. And then he sees George Senior in a different in like in another car and he doesn't seem to acknowledge <laughs> it's either, it's George Senior either. 
so there's a lot of people kind of like driving around. And speaking of George Senior, one of the main kind of plots of this episode is, of course, George Senior making his tape, um, wearing a uh, wearing a turban, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a towel turban because he keeps banging his head on the the the, the beams in the the attic, and you know. Uh, it, it, I, I love how he's he, like we only see, ever see the end of this tape where he says this is my demand and that's all we ever see so I don't know what George Senior is demanding uh, but then of course you know George Senior lets us know that um, he, he knows about the reduced order and that the, the tape is, is for the employees and that he feels the company needs a real authority and this is where we find out that Tobias's kind of um, suggestion to be an assistant comes came from George Senior because he he wanted a mole in the business, and I don't understand why he needs a mole because obviously, like he talks to Michael's like so often. I don't. I think Michael would just tell him stuff. I don't think he needs someone in the business, and I especially don't think he needs Tobias in the business. Um, pretending Tobias to be the will assistant. do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess and Michael's um, too a little too headstrong. <laughs> I don't. I mean, Michael like has hidden his father in the attic for practically the entire run of this second series, um, and also, you know, he he kind of um, he's done a lot of things to kind of win his father's affection as this show has gone on. So you know, it's it's not like he, he you know, George Senior can't count on Michael trying to do stuff for him. Um, so this this whole storyline just seems a little odd to me that. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, George Senior wants to kind of impress his authority on this company, even though really he should be laying low instead of like driving around and whatever else he's doing. Yeah, it's kind of it's a little contrived, maybe. Yeah, uh, just to get more funny things happening. Yeah, I mean, I you know, the actual logic of it isn't as much of a part. Yeah, I mean, I think if they'd have had those extra episodes, maybe they would have done something a little more with the whole Tobias being an assistant thing. Um, you know, in like th- mm-hmm. in three episodes' time, he gets angry at Michael because he's developed an eating disorder being his assistant. <laughs> and, um, you know, like... And Michael didn't even realise he still was his assistant. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's, there is a, there's a whole kind of storyline that kind of gets lost um, in this. Um, and then obviously we get one of my favorite kind of running gags about how the whole like stair car thing works where Michael tells, you know, George Michael about how, you know, you've got to really kind of get it up to get to the minimum speed, which I think is a kind of nice way of phrasing it. And then he says, you've got to jam on the gas pedal for about a minute. Uh, and then you've got to, you know, immediately get back on the brake pedal because you've got two tons of stairs behind you. <laughs> Um, and then he, he talks about the basics of the hydraulic flaps and the riser system and, and how to avoid a hop on, um, which I just, I just kind of love all the kind of weird details. Like these aren't going to help George Michael when he drives a normal car, <laughs> something which becomes obvious when we get to the end of the episode. But I just, I just kind of love how complicated driving the stair car is. And I like, like the impression that it's like the normal way to drive a car <laughs> yeah. that like everybody gives off. 
know. Yeah, yeah. The whole kind of hydraulic flaps and hop-ons thing is just like so. They really adapted to um, the stair car. Yeah. yeah, considering they weren't that keen to use it at all as a mm-hmm. vehicle. And then, of course, Michael t- goes to the hospital because he's feeling ill. Um, Lucille arrives, and I love how. I mean, this is very rare that you get kind of affection between Lucille and Michael. Um, you know. In in the episode where they had all the whistles, um, you know, she hugged Michael, and I think that's the only time in the entire series where I can recall them having any kind of contact. And I I just love that uh, Lucille appears and says, "My baby is," which of course, you know, um, it, it's it's interesting because of course, uh, as revealed in season three, Michael and Job are the only two children that uh, Lucille and George Senior actually have as a couple. Um, so technically speaking, of the two children she's had with George Senior, Michael is the baby. Mm. Whereas, you know, obviously, uh, currently, Ann Young is the baby in this family. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't know where he's gone to because he hasn't been seen for a number of episodes. And, and then, of course, this is where everyone starts kind of throwing in different things that they want to do. And Lindsay says that she'll get George Michael ready for the driving test and that Tobias... <laughs> Uh, wants to take over at the Bluth Company. That's a that's a. Uh, it's probably coming up in a couple of scenes, so I'll save it, I guess. Well, I mean, we also get, of course, where Michael, st- <laughs> because he's being given um, something to relax himself, he starts mm-hmm. peeing, and I love I love that he says mm-hmm. they need to know I'm in charge and I'm in control, and then at that moment, of course, he basically loses control mm-hmm. of his bladder. And says, I'm peeing. And I love how it turns into a question where he's like, am I peeing? <laughs> and then I love, of course, that uh, Dr. Fisherman says it, um, that he gave him something to relax him. And then he says, it may have taken the tingle <laughs> out of your genitals. Uh, which, of course, immediately calls back to the, uh, you know, what the dong tea will do for Job. Uh, Dr. Stein, which... I, I, actually, let's quickly touch upon Dr. Fishman, the literal doctor, because this is his final appearance uh, until season four, um, and he says, "I'm sorry to say, oh jeez, I'm sorry to say this, but it's too late for me to do anything for your son." <laughs> <laughs> and I love how everyone in the room knows to stay silent for just a little moment, and Michael goes, "Let him keep talking." And then Doctor Fisherman says, "Because Doctor Stein here has been assigned to your case," um, and then he, you know, I actually there's a there's a weird little running gag here with um, with Doctor Stein where. Each time he speaks, he makes himself uh, the best of a wider area. So he say he starts off saying, when when Doctor Fisherman says he's the best, he says, "Well, only in the county." And then a few lines later, he says, "Well, I am the best mm-hmm. doctor in the state." And then that becomes Southern California, and then it becomes in the entire country. And each time he just kind of keeps. Which makes obviously that would make you suspect that he's not the best of any particular area. Um, you know, and um, he will be. <laughs> yes, um, and of course, Dan Castellaneta plays uh, Doctor Stein. Um, if you do not know who Dan Castellaneta is, then he is Homer on The Simpsons and so many other characters that it's kind of ridiculous, um, including Mo. I think no, that's a lie. He's not Mo. Um, I think no. because that's uh, that's uh, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's Grandpa Simpson and uh, he's crusty. Uh, you know, he's, he's just a number of characters. Um, and he, is he Mr. Burns? No, that is the one who wanted the pay rise who's in, um, is in Spinal Tap. 
Oh, Harry Shearer. Uh, Harry Shearer. Yeah, but yeah. So Dan Castellaneta on the on the Simpsons these days, he's a producer, um, and he is a writer, and along with his wife, of, of a number of episodes, and um, you know he basically has quite a large involvement in the Simpsons. Uh, obviously, he's here because um, you know the Simpsons are on Fox, and Arrested Development was for a brief time on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and in fact, there is a, there is a joke later on, which talks about how they're in an expensive part of the building, how they're in an expensive floor, and that is Ooh. a that is a reference to the time slot that they had, because um, they were they were previously they were um, they went out at at um, nine thirty on a Sunday, uh, which of course was the top floor of the uh of the fox schedule and then they moved down a couple of floors to follow the simpsons um so they literally did uh what they say in the in the show where they they moved down a couple of floors um, this poor show <laughs> i don't know they were they were following they were following malcolm in the middle for the first season and then for the second season they were following the simpsons so to me that seems like an improvement but of course, you know, the second season didn't start until the first week of November. So, so huh. that's 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 quite a late start. Yeah, that's... That is the fault of Fox, though. Uh, baseball yep. has played havoc with their schedules for a number of years in November and October. Anyway, Dr. Stein has analysed... Uh, he, he gives the, the um, you know, the... Uh, what is it called when doctors tell you something? Diagnosis? That's it. That's what I was looking for. He gives, he gives him the yeah. diagnosis that he... Um, has I think it's meant to be an inflamed appendix, but um, you know he, he he's looking to just take it out. He doesn't tell him he's got appendicitis. He just says he wants to take out his appendix. <laughs> and given how poor of a doctor we find out Doctor Stein is later on, I don't know that the appendix is the actual problem. Um, but of course, <laughs> this is where you know Lucille says it could be a hernia, and Tobias says it could be your colon. I'd want to get in there and find some answers. <laughs> One of the more obvious Tobias joke. Um, yeah. And then obviously this is where Michael insists that uh, everyone listens to the doctor. Um, even when he says he's going to slow down his heart. Uh, <laughs> and he says, hopefully not too slow because it's already dangerously slow as it is. <laughs> that was, that's a, that's a really good line. And then of course, uh, this is where we, we, we actually kind of, you know, um, we we get reintroduced to Tony Wonder, who previously only appeared as a photograph, um, and that was before the that's before the show actually knew they would have him as a guest. So they kind of took a risk having Ben Stiller as just a photograph of Tony Wonder uh, with his fantastic. I didn't mention this last time I spoke about Tony Wonder, but his goatee that is shaved into a W <laughs> is such a is such a kind of perfect douchey magician kind of thing to do. Um, but it's just really great. Very just David the, Blaine. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is it kind of fits yeah. with kind of the kind of early two thousands kind of like celebrity magicians, um, yeah, who kind of have this this kind of this, you know very specific kind of like hooks, um, and of course um, <laughs> this is where Job talks about you know uh, he talks to Buster uh, trying to figure out how to make a comeback, 
And the narrator tells us that Tony Wonder had startled the world by baking himself into a loaf of bread. He sold the DVDs of it on his website, which many claim suffered due to its pop-up ads. This is the point in which we see a Family Guy pop-up ad on the Tony Wonder site. Um, and this apparently was a big complaint about um, the Arrested Development site at the time, was apparently it, it had so many pop-up ads that people kind of actually complained about it and the writers kind of took that on. But I, I love how dated it sounds for someone to sell DVDs through a website. Like, this is such a... Uh, yeah. Yes? I'll have you know, <laughs> Neil Breen, the visionary filmmaker, exclusively <laughs> yeah. sells DVDs through his website. Maybe he's just a really big fan of Tony Wonder. Um, <laughs> he saw that and he's like, that's what a professional entertainer does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we get the, the reoccurring joke here of Joe being shocked by the hook hand as Buster kind of talks about being treated by, like a real person and, and his hook comes up and Joe kind of goes, hook, just out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he calls him Elephant Man. Um, and I love how the scene finishes with him saying, we're going to have to figure out something to do so that people can look at you without wanting to kill themselves. <laughs> Which is, oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a such a such a kind of I I don't know I just love it I love I love how kind of horrible Job can be to Buster straight to his face, um, and of course once George Senior hears about Michael's illness, he he gives the tape to Tobias, and as he does, he says "booyah," which is of course mm-hmm. the second time that's being used in this episode, um, mm-hmm. and we find out that Buster has been outfitted with a mechanical Halloween hat. Um, which I just kind of, I love how, like, it's such a weirdly specific reference, the fact that it's a Halloween hand rather than <laughs> just like a mechanical hand. But uh, I don't know. I just I just love that. And, you know, he, he we see him doing a trick where he, he says he says that he's got some dirty ears to this uh, to this magician. Um, and, and the magician says, well, you're not on the band list, so you can go on at six. Uh, now that magician is uh, Paul Feig, the director. Um, oh, I knew he looked and, familiar. And former actor. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, he he uh, he obviously at this point had directed a number of episodes. In fact, he he directed a number of episodes that have like Job doing magic in. So um, I don't know if he's some <laughs> kind of like amateur magician in real life or something. But yeah, Paul Feig. Uh, that's his one line in the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know he just he just kind of you know he just kind of delivers it flatly um and then of course this is where we get to finally meet tony wonder in real life here he is um and this is where he produces bread <laughs> from out of from out of nowhere um and i love that when he hands it to buster buster goes wow it's so warm as if warm bread out of someone's like skin is a positive thing it's just such a such a weird kind of thing um uh-huh. and then of course uh tony wonder explains the trick and tony wonder like uh puts his hand over buster's ear and it's like i i fold the bread up into little squares and then i pull it out of my, put it in my shirt and then i pull it out so it looks like it's coming out of my skin and then buster t- says oh that sounds so easy um <laughs> but just tony wonder is one of my favorite characters in like any yeah. media yeah. You know, it's it's definitely my favorite Ben Stiller performance, um, I think. Uh, just, like, there, there's so many weird little quirks 
uh, in this, like, this kind of small character, but there's a lot of, like, weird nuance to it in the, the way that he does things, and just the way that this character comes across. Yeah, they really... Yeah. To make I... Job a magician was pretty genius on their part, because it really opened up for a lot of zaniness, and just they could kind of go as weird as they wanted on any situation or character, and that was, <laughs> yeah. that was good. <laughs> good job. I think I think it mainly be, because obviously the um, uh, the castle that's in where the, the actual like in not, it's not called the Gothic castle I can't remember what it's called um, I think it's called like, just like the Magic Castle <laughs> I think yeah, yeah I think yeah, that might I be it yeah so. uh, it was on the uh, the Netflix series Love uh, where they actually they went and actually went to the the proper location <laughs> um, but yeah I think just having that in California and kind of that whole like it's it's like a thing in California so obviously um, particularly you know it like it just has this kind of um, presence and I think that's kind of what they were playing off even in the pilot where they're talking about kind of like the Magicians yeah. Alliance I think it's all like the, the, the photograph of them outside like this kind of gothic <laughs> building it's just always been like a thing that they, they kind of knew about and that they were kind of ready to use. Mm-hmm. When Arrested Development was actually airing, um, I was in high school and I had a friend who was a magician and he would like <laughs> go do shows and um, he would do like table magic at a local restaurant and stuff. And I was constantly making references to Job and like, have you watched it? And he does mm-hmm. this and it's just like this. And he would get so pissed off. <laughs> Like, they weren't taking <laughs> the craft seriously. Yeah, we <laughs> demand to be taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so great. Uh, I love as well how Tony Wonder described describes himself as starting out as a little W, and as he does it, he puts his his fingers up and makes the the amber from yeah. the amber from clueless whatever W, and then he says he he somehow became a big one. And it's such a weird kind of expression. Uh, and then, of course, he seizes the opportunity to pull a Hanukkah cookie from his eye. Um, but I just love how he kind of he hands it over to um, to to, um, to, Job. to Buster, and he goes, and oh, yeah, he gives it to Job, and he just goes, "Enjoy the Hanukkah cookie, man." And it's just such a. And Job immediately love... eats it. This strange man gave him a cookie that supposedly came from his eye, and he just eats it right away. Yeah, I, ju- I mean, I just and he's like, like, um, he's like, what a cool guy or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Afterwards, that's what he says. That's what he says. Um, we'll find out as the episode goes on that Tony Wonder has some really weird quirks, <laughs> like hiding in dumb waiters all the time. Um, but yeah, I just love this kind of producing food from body parts. Just seems to be like. <laughs> he, he's kind of like chosen close-up trick to do and then we find T- Tobias kind of um, <laughs> talking about Michael where he says he. in fact just today I saw a sliver of his buttocks and there's fresh <laughs> firm as a Georgia peach um, which is such an odd way to assure people um, and he attempts to play the video which of course is from a video camera so it's too small to fit into a normal VHS slot so he just kind of rests it on the edge of the thing uh, it's just such, a, such an odd little gag uh, there's a line in there where um, where he's acting like the inv- like the the higher ups would possibly want him to be in charge like sight unseen <laughs> yeah. i don't know the specifics of it but that really tickled me let's let's not make this man our leader 
<laughs> oh yeah, That's what he's thinking they will say, but they obviously won't. Um, and of course, Lindsay, you know, teaches George Michael to drive by saying, you know, um, <laughs> you know, hit hit the acceleration; it feels great. Now put your, your foot on the brake. There's a light in half a mile. <laughs> uh, so there's the kind of lo- something that I never really considered, but yeah, the logistics of driving the stair car seem to be and such a trial that it just seems like just. Get a car. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what's happened to George Senior's car actually, because uh, they were using that in season one, and and they've used it a few times in season two. So I don't know where that's gone. I don't know why everyone is suddenly driving the stair car again, but uh, it makes for you know a nice joke. Um, <clears throat> and of course, Buster is not a very good magician, um, which should not come as a surprise. <laughs> the last time Job and Buster performed a magic trick was at the funeral of George Senior. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where, <laughs> where as, the, as the final countdown started to play, Buster started dancing and Job kept trying to stop him from dancing, um, which is one of my favourite things. And then, um, you know, here they, they do kind of the same thing where as the music plays, they start they start doing the dancing. And, of course, as Buster, Buster says, um, uh, you know, and now to our magic trick, and <laughs> Job goes... Illusion, and I and I love how Buster, with this little bit of power he's got, immediately goes silent slave. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, he he said he just describes what the trick's going to be, um, and then I love when he goes, "May I have the trick sword, please?" <laughs> Such a kind of terrible such a terrible kind of thing um and of course the funny thing is that jo- that job says it's a real sword master so just being called a slave he then starts calling buster a, a master He's dedicated um, to the and then of, act yeah and i love that I love that Job starts milking it because he's got the crowd on his side <laughs> so he just starts dancing around with yeah. the sword and then Buster starts dancing too. It be- it's like a totally different dynamic from the usual Joe performance, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And I love and of the course, little, um, like when yes? the sword is unsheathed, like everything. Tony Hale is just so into it. Not Tony Hale, but Buster. But Tony Hale, mm-hmm. the actor, makes these great, like ooh, <laughs> perfect noises. <laughs> yeah, and of course, um, his mechanical hand gets cut off. Uh, and that's the end of the trick, and everyone seems very impressed with it. Um, and I, I just find it, I find it so weird that Tony Wonder like gravitates to um, Buster after the act, and he's like, um, <laughs> I love as well how Tony Wonder dismisses Candida, his assistant, um, and he goes, "My brother's widow, it's f-ed up." Uh, so the accident angle, right on, and it's just, it's such a. <laughs> That might be my favorite <laughs> line of the whole episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because um, there is a thing in Jewish law where where you are allowed to marry your brother's widow if your brother dies. Like that is something mm-hmm. that is actually in the Bible quite a lot, where mm-hmm. people's brothers keep getting killed and you marry their widow and you adopt their children to kind of keep the family line going. So it's such a weird. There's a few uh, nods, like the Hanukkah mm-hmm. cookie. There's a few weird, like a few nods that Tony Wonder is probably <laughs> Jewish, uh, as Ben Stiller uh, obviously is. Yeah. And I think that's that might just be one little tiny hint: the fact that he's married his brother's widow. Not related to him being Jewish, but he kisses the tops 
the top of her breast. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's... like that's just a normal thing that you do. And she just kind of rolls her eyes at him or whatever. But yeah, I I kind of it's really weird because I feel like Tony Wonder's kind of kind of sexism is probably just a commentary on the on like ev- everything in magic where you have like all the kind of magician's assistants kind of not wearing very many clothes and you know the the whole yeah. kind of mm-hmm. that whole thing which seems to be like the way it's kind of set up um but I, it feels spe- like he's specifically commenting on the sexism of the of the kind of like um you know Chris mm-hmm. Angel David Blaine type of magicians like there's mm-hmm. something that that's kind of being commented on there like overdoing the douchey bro yeah uh, image, yeah, yeah. Like mm. this is what this is what they would do. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like kind of you know, yeah. It's just like kind of a, a commentary on that. And I do love that Tony Wonder says uh, that the howdy doodats ate it up, uh, and then he explains <laughs> the joke. That's what we call the audience. Um, and I I love how he he um, he, he he kind of calls back to um, being boiled into a, a bisque at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and then of course uh, you know this is where we get one of my favourite kind of jokes where um, we, get, in fact we get two jokes from, from Tony Wonder here on top of each other which are probably my favourite kind of two jokes where um, you know he says he wants them on the next DVD and Job says you want us for use your illusion and um, Tony Wonder goes yeah some band has got the rights to that so I'm thinking I don't know like use your illusion too um, and I like I like that he doesn't know that Guns N' Roses released two albums with that title. Uh, and then of course um, he 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 produces a, a a thing that I don't think is available anymore, which is the the, the subclub card, uh, where he offers them a, he offers them a, a free drink, uh, but it still needs it still needs three stamps as Buster reveals. Um, but he does this trick and screams out in pain and gives it it kind of gives him the card. And then, um, you know, uh, later on, he he will kind of do almost the same thing, but he just bumps his leg on a table or something and kind of cries out in pain the same way, though. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a wonderful kind of setup. But I just love the fact that he says, have a free round of drinks, courtesy of Tony Wonder, but the subclub card is missing three stamps. Like, it's just such a weird kind of joke that, uh, I don't know, I just lo- I love that following on from the u- usual illusion thing. It's just such a kind of... Everything that Tony Wonder yeah. says is kind of ridiculous, uh, but of course, mm-hmm. like this is this is it's kind of weird because it makes Job seem like a more reasonable <laughs> magician, um, you know, like the fact that he's he's kind of slightly more down to earth than Tony Wonder, who seems very kind of into his old image. And of course, Michael has had his appendectomy, uh, and it hasn't gone well because, as should be quite obvious, Doctor Stein is not a very good doctor. And Michael is annoyed to find out that George Michael's had a driving lesson um, and that he had his first hop-on. And I like that Michael says, I was going to videotape that hop-on. <laughs> Which is... I don't know how he would have done that. How would he have, If he was teaching him to drive, how would he have videotaped it? Because he's not going to let George Michael actually hold the wheel. So I don't know where the videotape... Like, I don't know. It's, I like the joke, but it just seems logistically hard for him to do. Because assuming hop-ons hop onto the back of the stairs... And you're in the front and you literally can't see anything from the front. I don't know. It's just one of those things that for, I don't know, 13 years has puzzled me. as to I don't know how he would film that hop on. Um, 
And of course, we find out that does it keep you awake at night? Yeah, yeah. And we find out that that, um, that Lindsay is still trying to get the stairs unwedged from the emergency room overhang. Uh, and we don't even we don't see that, but it's such a kind of we know what's happened because you know obviously the uh, mm-hmm. the stair car has a tendency to kind of run into things uh, that are at the wrong height. And then obviously you know Michael is still in a lot of pain. Um, you know, and Dr. Stein says that, you know, there was a bacterial infection that left an abscess in your abdominal wall. Uh, and then, you know, he says that he's the best doctor in Southern California. Um, which, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's expanding his area with each one. Um, and this is where we then get the, 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 the rule of three on Booyah, where John Beard is mm-hmm. on television telling everyone about the tape which has been turned in by a and I like this the, the turn of phrase here because he says a rabid and disgruntled employee which oh yeah <laughs> if she has rabies that is exactly what rabid means it means you have rabies that is the, that's the origin mm-hmm. of the word so it's such a kind of clever description of Starla and I love her. they don't name her but they just show a quick picture of Starla looking very annoyed uh, and that is the last that we will ever see of Starla in the show. Oh, and she's she's. Oh yeah. Also, there. I don't mean to interrupt, but no um, there's also the uh, Dan Castellaneta says "doe" not as Homer Simpson thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, which I think is really kind of genius. Very casual <laughs> doe. Yeah. 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 And then uh, and then Lucille's like, I knew it <laughs> for unrelated reasons. Yeah, I think Lucille has figured out that Doctor Stein isn't very good. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I, I, and of course, um, this is where we see once again Joe seeing you just saying the words. This is my demand, um, and <laughs> Michael is kind of behind him. And of course, the FBI have matched it to the design of of, an, of the attic of one of you know Saddam Hussein's Iraqi houses. Uh, and then I love how how John Beard finishes his news report on the the nightly news with the words "Booyah." What? <laughs> Such, the third time anyone has said it in the episode, and of course, uh, <laughs> such a kind of inappropriate way to finish the uh, the whole thing. And at the point that this episode came out, like Booyah was already kind of a thing that had come and gone, and it wasn't really. <laughs> yeah. But for some yeah, reason, yeah. in the Bluth's world, it's made a little resurgence. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's worth noting that you know, obviously, the Bluths seem to be slightly detached from like reality <laughs> a lot of the time so I think yeah. the fact that stuff gets mm-hmm. to them late is kind of a commentary on how rich people <laughs> tend to be slightly out of the loop on some things um, and then of course um, you know Buster and uh, Joe are waiting for Tony Wonder and when Buster says the words I wonder where he is Tony Wonder <laughs> magically appears right mm-hmm. in front of that dumb waiter um, which I love Buster's kind of almost I love how he figures out the trick straight away when he says, um, he just appeared out of nowhere in front of that dumbwaiter. Um, and, and this is kind of, this is where kind of like the conceit of um, the, the kind of documentary comes in where we get a cutaway and the narrator tells us that he'd been hiding in the dumbwaiter for 20 minutes. And I love how the, the camera is kind of right up close to him as he's crouched inside this dumbwaiter. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and I and my favorite thing as well is he has a piece of lettuce on his shoulder, and when Buster points this out, he basically just grabs it with two fingers and just throws it off really quickly, <laughs> and then goes ta da! And 
it's just kind of it's just, I just love it. It's just one of those things where like he's sarcastic to Dar. I just love I just love that. Uh, and the fact that he says part of the trick as if, <laughs> as if yeah. having having lettuce on himself is part of the trick. I just I just love it. And this is where Buster you know, filled with the power of being a magician, decides to grant magic sanctuary. And Job says, you can't just make up. And I love how he gets cut off straight away by Tony Wonder going, that's fine. I second the sanctuary. And with it's the like, claws of silence. Clearly Buster. Yeah, I, I, I just love how Buster made this thing up and Tony Wonder just went with it. Um, yeah, and the claws of silence is very important. Uh, and then this is where we find out that use your illusion is now use your allusion, as Tony Wonder says, with an A. <laughs> and I, I like how he explains an illusion by saying, you know, um, if you want to put an illusion in there, like Poe or something, don't do Poe, because I'm doing Poe. <laughs> and then when Buster goes, what about Chaucer? And he's like, just not Poe, okay? I would have, I would love um, to see that video. <laughs> Magicians doing their tricks and then <laughs> somehow working with literally illusions. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know how Buster would have worked Chaucer into it. And of course, uh, Job. <laughs> at this particular point, because of the whole kind of, I if the, Tony Wonder again with the sleaziness where he's like, um, he's telling Buster that he's the magic. And saying, you know, check out those moves you're doing. And he's like, uh, look at Tiagra, my girl. Don't look at her. Because you look at her and it affects the way that I, you know, in a way I'm comfortable with. Or go for it. I don't care. Whatever. And <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to achieve with that. But just a weird kind of like route that he goes. Uh, and then obviously this is where Job has to reveal himself as a magician. And say that Buster is the assistant. Um, and then I like how he gets an aggressive Tadarin at the end of this, where he says, The real Sword of Destiny trick hasn't even been performed yet! Ta-da! <laughs> and it's so kind of like, so aggressive. It's just such a weird kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Tony Wonder describes their trick as having, uh, you know, a multi-stage trick with hidden identities. <laughs> which it really isn't. It's really not that. You know, they accidentally cut off, um, you know... Job's mechanical hand, uh, sorry, um, Buster's mechanical hand, and that was all their <laughs> trick was. And um, you know they they haven't done any trick yet. And then of course this is where Tony Wonder does a little callback to the kind of the painful scream, which has you know that's been his trademark before he pulls pieces of food out from his skin or his eye, and he kind of just bumps into a chair and then he screams. Um, Daryl, I told you to move that chair ten times. <laughs> And clean the f***ing dumbwaiter while you're at it! Um, and I, yeah. <laughs> I, I love how Buster as well, you know, he, we all know that he likes graham crackers, and he says, I was really hoping for a graham cracker. <laughs> Just such a specific thing to think was going to happen. And I like how Job says, that would have been a good spot for a trick. Um, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Michael has had his second surgery, he wakes up, and of course, Dr. Stein explains that they had a little whoopsie. Uh, they got the abscess, but they might have left some snippers in there. Um, which is such a weird kind of thing to say. Um, although, it's worth noting there was kind of like, in the kind of, um, you know, 90s, there did seem to be this rash of doctors leaving things in patients. 
Um, that seemed to be like a common story. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, and um, so I, I don't know why they decided to just do like a weird little callback to it here, like that. But it was such a big thing that I remember in the nineties where you would always hear of, oh, this person went in for this surgery, and then they had to go back in because they had this pain, and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, it was like there was some doctor's <laughs> face mask in their stomach, and it's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just like. Just like Google things left in patients, and I'm sure you'll see tons of stories of, you know, people leaving uh, gloves and, and whatever uh, to, the, yeah, to, yeah. to the point. No, thank you. To the point where there's actually a, a story. There was a storyline on an episode of Grey's Anatomy where a doctor left something in a patient, <laughs> and that became like the, the the indicator that they were senile and they should stop doing operations. But yeah, oh it's God. just so odd. Mm. Um, and as as Michael awakes. Um, <laughs> he th- he thinks that the story he saw about the tape on the news was just something that he hallucinated and it turns out that no actually it really was happening <laughs> um which i i, I kind of like and then of course as michael leaves to go back to the company this is where tobias comes in and, <laughs> and insists that michael is not in iraq and we see this like old guy and michael's and tobias says michael Back to bed with you. You look awful. Which is such a yeah. such a weird attempt to kind of cover that. And I don't know. I just kind of like how Tobias is not really that quick on his his toes, and he just kind of comes in with this really lame cover. Yeah. What business does uh, Tobias have talking with the FBI in the first place? I don't, I don't know. He's just like somehow got himself in this position of power without really doing anything. I, I, well, that would have solved the whole problem, too. Like, he was doing what yeah. he probably should have, but <laughs> Michael had to leave. Uh, and, of course, Michael ends up at the business. He he arrives and he finds that the entire business has disappeared <laughs> from where it should be. Um, and, and I... I, I I find it funny that like kind of like the entire like the entire company has been lost just because Michael's been away for two days. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, in the same way that at the beginning of the season, you know, when they asked how much damage could could Job have done in a couple of hours, and we find out that he's done thousands of dollars of worth of damage. <laughs> um, you know, and of course in season one where you know Lindsay insists that he 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 kind of goes and goes out to the beach and um of course you know the entire company gets kind of taken over by uh by the fbi and, and the the the, stat, the employees go missing on the island of catalina so it is kind of true that if michael isn't there things fall apart quite quickly <laughs> and this is this is where as michael comes down on the lift he 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 finds ted and all the employees they have moved down a couple of floors uh, and they can stay in business without having to build the houses, which of course is a, a reference to Arrested Development getting renewed um, for a third season. And I love how we have the mission accomplished banner. Um, <laughs> one of the kind of clear, yeah. clear George Bush references in the show. A banner that will get brought out a couple times in season three. And I don't know what mission they think they've accomplished because staying in business. <laughs> For a few more months or something is not really accomplishing that much, but <laughs> you know, I I just I just kind of love how how they celebrate prematurely, and of course, putting banners up is a Bluth family trait anyway. So I'm guessing that the company employees have have picked that up from them. Um, and once we get back to the Gothic castle, Job is finally performing the illusion, um, 
and then obviously, um, you know, Job reveals he is Job Bluth, um, which is redundant because the B stands for Bluth. Um, so, and then, you know, he says he is the real magician uh, and this man is only the assistant. And then I like how he calls for the sword and too late he says, handle first, handle first. <laughs> and of course, Job has his fingers cut off. Yeah, they never uh, rehearse uh, anything. Just <laughs> no, it up no. As they go. Just, <laughs> yeah, um, and then I love that Tony, of course, is in the dumbwaiter for some reason, <laughs> and he, <laughs> I like that. I like that he, you know, he thinks that this is a good, you know, a good act, um, which maybe tells us a little bit more about Tony Wonder that he doesn't really know good magicians when he sees them. And of course, Job is still complaining about his fingers being cut off. And, and then, of course, you know, Michael, who, who kind of checked himself out of hospital and has been wandering around in pain, he decides that, you know, he's going to uh, give up some of his authority. Um, and he decides to start doing that with um, uh, letting George Michael drive him, which is a nice gesture. Except the narrator tells us, unfortunately... Unfortunately, Michael's decision to let his son drive a car with a more responsive gas pedal was not a good decision. And then, of course, he runs uh, his father over. And we just see uh, Michael kind of stuck to the windscreen. Um, and then, of, of, yeah. of course, we get one final dose of Dr. Stein uh, as he says... Um, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about getting hit by uh, any more cars. I've shortened your calf muscles to theoretically <laughs> increase your jumping ability. But if it works, I could be the best in the world. Uh, and Michael says, I want the other doctor back. And that, of course, is where the episode ends. Something that um, we haven't really talked about, which is what Dr. Stein's full name is, because when we get to the On The Next, we find that Job has gone into hospital and he's been treated by Dr. Stein. And he says, your fingers have been perfectly reattached. And we see that Job's uh, middle and index fingers have been switched, which I don't know why he would do that. Uh, but one of the doctors says to him, nice job, Frank, and gives him a high five. And so his full name is oh, yeah. Frank Stein. Which is... Now here's the thing you might think you might think that that's a bit hacky but that is of course a literary illusion. Ah. So there you go. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> so there you it's more and more new information. And obviously it's not Poe either so they they kept away from Poe for that one. Yeah. Um and then the FBI finds some more troubling footage and they have the tape and we get to the end of the tape and we see uh, the infamous uh, George Michael Star Wars kid video as he's doing some kind of uh, his moves. And uh, the FBI guy says, this kid's got moves. And that's where the episode <laughs> ends. It's funny because um, obviously that tape was last seen in the uh, Immaculate mm -hmm. Election. Uh, where the whole school got to see um, uh, George Michael doing his moves, and that is that is what caused Anne to fall more in love with him. Uh, <laughs> but the weird thing is, in season three, we will see that tape again, but somehow, I don't know how we do that, because, of course, um, the FBI have that tape, so I don't know how it gets back into the hands of the, the Bluth family. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... I just... I, just I, I mean, the thing is, that kind of whole, like, whole Star Wars kid thing... 
by the time Arrested Development made the reference, it was already quite played out, but... I don't know. I just kind of, yeah. I just kind of like it. And of course, I mean, they, you know, they get to use the Star Wars music because obviously Star Wars at the time was owned by Fox, <laughs> um, but is not now owned by Fox. Oh yeah, that's so true. I don't know if mm. they would, um, if they would do that. Uh, it's really weird actually because you know, um, uh, Geisler Razan or Geislein Raza, the guy who was who was the Star Wars kid, um, who was fifteen at the time when he made that video. Um, which is meant to be the age that um, George Michael is in the show, so that obviously that matches. But also he's can, he's Canadian, and as is Michael Sarah, who is also Canadian. Um, mm. So there's that one extra level. Um, but at this particular time, this was only a reference that was like three years old. But now the show is like it's it's one of the more dated things yeah, on the show like, i think it's like 11 years on but even 3 years old that was kind of like a you know uh, a dated reference um yeah uh, obviously you know the the problem with the star wars kid thing is um for the the kid who did it it was apparently uh you know he he was subjected to a lot of bullying and it was not a positive thing for him and he really didn't mm. like that video getting out and um you know he 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 you know he it really it, it kind of wasn't a pleasant experience for him so it's weird to see the joke played here but uh, knowing that basically he um you know he he had he was quite heavily bullied for it um but you know it's such a such an odd kind of <laughs> such an odd thing for them to call to but i don't know yeah uh yeah and uh, i mean and and that that's kind of where the episode ends. Um, and it's it's funny because obviously it's called Sword of Destiny, but the Sword of Destiny only really kind of appears in three scenes, and we never ever get to like we we never get to hear the actual Sword of Destiny story <laughs> because Job cuts the guy off. Uh, we never get to see the Sword of Destiny trick the first time because he accidentally cuts off Buster's hand, and then we never get to see the Sword of Destiny trick a third time. Because Buster accidentally cuts off Job's fingers, so I, I know it's really weird how the Sword of Destiny is is kind of like this centerpiece of this episode, and yet we never ever get to see the trick that Job <laughs> describes, which is running the sword through someone's belly. So, which how would he even? How would, I don't. What would the logistics well, there? He probably didn't know. <laughs> like, I don't know because it doesn't seem terribly well planned out. But I do <laughs> like the fact that they go back to the. Um, you know the, the 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 gothic castle. I like that kind of callback. I think you know it's a fun episode for that. And obviously, everything that Tony Wonder does um, is just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I it's just so much so much good stuff from Ben Stiller. And obviously, uh, he makes one more appearance in the show, um, uh, like the first fifty three episodes, because oh, he yeah. appears in. Um, he appears in one episode in season three, but he doesn't say anything. Um, he just he's like clearly walks the into character the room. of Tony Wonder again. Yeah, he walks into the room and he does kind of like a little gesture, and then he he does his little W, and then he just keeps <laughs> on going. Um, but obviously, in season four, both him and his wife return as the characters that they've played in the show, and their storylines, you know, are quite heavily involved with um, with Job. Um, and in season four, he actually has a child. Uh, Tony Wonder does, mm-hmm. um, but you know, for the sake of not spoiling people who haven't seen season four, I'm not going to say uh, who it's with. Uh, so 
Um, is there anything else you think we need to cover in this episode? Um, I think yeah. we got pretty much all very of it. Very thorough. <laughs> yeah. This is... There's a lot to get. Yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, I've revealed a few things to you, at least, Noah, that you didn't even realize. <laughs> Definitely. <going on>. Uh, <laughs> you know, so many levels to everything in the <laughs> development. Mm-hmm. Um, so well if there's nothing else to uh, to talk about then let's go to plugs uh, and I'll start with Noah okay so this is I kind of have some explaining to do for this one um, by the time that this episode is up I will have something here but it might be at a different address um, I'm trying to start up a sort of freeform criticism blog and so the address that I picked out for that is uh, media babel uh, there's a media dash babel dot tumblr dot com okay and so something will probably be there at some point in the future. If not, I'll have like I'll have it redirected somewhere else. I guess. All right. Are you on Twitter or any other? Um... I my handle is uh, at I am the best Noah. If you want to follow me. <laughs> okay. And Emily. Uh, I don't do anything. Um, might be cooking something up, but yeah. I mean, if you really are interested, I have an Instagram and a Snapchat at Emily B seven seven five, but. Don't expect much. Um, and on the next episode of I Made a Huge Mistake, my guests will be Justin Eakins and Jonathan Frederick. Um, and we will be discussing episode 216, um, which, of course, uh, is when we get to meet the veals. Um, because the veals, of course, are meat. So thank you very much to both of you for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, otherwise... Goodbye. Bye.